discussed the Chippewas' new coaching hires with Jim McElwain. Then we talked about the men's basketball team and their somewhat surprising surges of late. Then we talked about the gymnastics team and their opening win to start the season. All that and more Maroon and Bold next. Welcome into Maroon and Bold. My name is Andrew McDonald. I'm the new sports editor here at Central Michigan Life. Across from me, as you guys got used to last semester, is Evan Petzold, the new assistant sports editor here. And to my right is Austin Chaston. Austin is a guy that's going to be joining us a little bit more, writing a little bit more for us. On the rise. Yes, exactly. Make sure you guys are looking out for him. Covered a lot for us last weekend, so definitely a name you guys will be hearing a lot more. But guys, how we doing? How we doing to be back at school here up in Mount Pleasant? I'm pretty excited. You know, um, I'm ready to go crush this semester. Give me a fun semester up here in Mount Pleasant. Evan? There's no football. But I mean, that's not a bad thing. I don't think that's that's kind of the point. <laughs> but no, lots of basketball, lots of good basketball being played by both yeah. teams. We're gonna get into the men's, you know, te- team in a little bit. But nonetheless, just a lot of a lot of fun things going on up here as far as you know the yeah, sports world goes right now. Quick thing with that, you know, last night we were both there, mm-hmm. and that game was, I mean, hands down one of the better ones I've seen in a while. Um, so I've been covering team men's basketball up here, and I mean, really, just to see the crowd get into it the way they did, the players get into it the way they did in the floor. That was an energy that I haven't felt in a while. And I mean, there were some reactions I got on Twitter from one of the tweets that I sent about it, you know, kind of saying like, oh, if this isn't Chris Kamen, then I don't care. If it isn't, you know, follower, it doesn't matter or whatever. It's like, give these guys a chance and come out and watch them. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to like boast the team or anything like that, but go there and watch them because last night there was a different energy in that stadium that I felt all of last year for sure. We can both say that, I think. Dude, I was three Mountain Dews deep. All right. Let's just be honest. That game oh had me God. on the edge of my seat. I was, I was enjoying it as a reporter. Not not being a fan, but being a reporter who just liked the energy and was yeah, excited to write about a good story. I mean, write a good story about that one because it was it was just awesome to see it all go down. But yeah, guys like Chris Kamen, man, come on, that's like a, that's like a once in a decade or two decades type of a just, player. They're just saying like, the kind of energy that they brought to the floor. Was yeah, like he was also an NBA be... basketball player. You don't have any NBA basketball players on this team. Exactly, but you can't tell me that can't be matched. I mean, if anybody was here and Marcus Keem was playing basketball, that stadium filled up literally just because he was in the arena, and it was the same kind of energy when he hit a shot. When they beat Western in the game winner, that was the same kind of feeling that you and got. And he's not a guy who's going to be an NBA vet who's going to be you know carrying exactly, teams yeah. to the playoffs. So, nope, no, not happening. So let's just give that team a chance. This is a bunch of guys that, you know, felt like they got a second chance at something, and they're playing really well right now. But we will get into that. We will start off with a, a little bit of football. We're still somehow talking about this. But when you have a new coach, a lot of things change around your program. That's kind of where we're at right now with Jim McElwain. Um, brings in a few new guys. Evan, you want to tell us a little bit more about some of them since, you know, you've been so up to date on this? <laughs> it doesn't end, dude. Football just doesn't end. You mentioned it right there, and it just triggered back through my head. I went home for break, and I was just like, it's not really going to end for me. Like, I don't I don't think that football coverage is going to be over, which is, like you said, normally how it is. But, yeah, I mean, right now, the way that things are shaking out, according to people that I've talked to, um, the athletic department hasn't released any names yet officially, but people that I've talked to from bios being updated, from, you know, family members tweeting congratulations based off of my tweets to, you know, family members of those people that just got hired. It, it's basically this is what it's shaping up to be. McElwain is the head coach and then no offensive coordinator yet. Um, from everything that I've heard, but offensive line coach Derek Frazier, he stays. He was here under Bono last year. New quarterbacks coach is Charlie Fry. He's an NFL vet. No running backs coach yet, uh, from what I have heard. Wide receivers coach Kevin Barbe, he comes from Stephen F. Austin. Tavita Thompson, tight ends coach, he'll stay from being on Bono's staff from last year. Last year was his first year with CMU, so this will be year two under McElwain. And then Continuing down the list, looking at the defensive side of things, Rob Ackie, that's a really interesting name, defensive coordinator. He 
was a head coach at Idaho uh, for a little bit there, and then you know was coaching at Florida in 2017, but then got out of coaching and didn't coach at all in 2018. But now he's back with Mac, and so that's something that's really interesting to see those two guys you know re- rekindle their bond. Defensive line coach Justin Hines, he's a younger guy. Linebackers coach Mark DeBastini, he's a you know a, a mid-aged guy. He has some years under his belt. Um, with coaching defensive line and really just defense as a whole. And then Corey Hall, a defensive backs coach, it'll be his second year. He was with Bono, probably one of the coaches that was maybe more of a standout last year. You know, he got a lot of high praise. And then special teams, Ryan Beard, who, you know, his name has been linked to Louisville for years and yeah. makes the move over here. But that's kind of how things are are shaking out down the list. The most interesting thing to me, I would say, is probably no offensive coordinator. I mean, I think... At least the way that it's shaking out right now, I would say that you know McElwain might be calling plays in 2019. No, oh, yeah, for sure. And that's I think, the thought. I, I mean, you got to think to me that's not really the worst way to go about it, just because simply when you get a a coach that has such a good offensive mind, I mean, you kind of brought him in here for one reason, right? And sometimes when you put too many thoughts into one area, it can kind of make it almost worse than better. Um, I I don't think at least for a season to see how it goes and kind of test run it. I don't think it's bad to not bring in an offensive coordinator. Plus, you know. Spending plenty of money on coaches around here lately, so that also might be. I don't. I don't know if it has anything to do with it or not. But to bring in an offensive assistant would just cost me more money. So it's definitely not hurting him in that category either. Yeah. But I mean, just looking at it as a whole, I definitely think it's a a good move. Austin, any takes on this? I mean, I I grew up a Florida fan, so <laughs> seeing that Coach McElwain is going to be here um, is, is 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 really cool for me. Um, seeing that he went from one team that I root for to the school that I attend yeah that's really cool um and I know not his time at Florida wasn't necessarily the greatest but um it, it didn't end the greatest we'll go with that um his offensive schemes though I think him calling the plays himself or himself um will work really well uh, I think for next season for sure it'll be it'll be interesting to see what we can actually you know get out of because you know obviously everyone knows the end of his time at Florida wasn't the greatest but they won't really let us ask questions about that yet or didn't let us ask questions about that yet It'll be interesting to see what down the road what what we can get out of that. But what's interesting too to me when you look at the staff that he brought in, kind of what you would have expected. But you bring in your defensive coordinator Rob Ackie, and and he was with you at Florida during the 2017 season as a defensive assistant. Justin Hines was with McElwain for um, for three years from from really 2015 to 2017. He was there you know all the way through his tenure. Yeah. Uh, DeBastini, the linebackers coach here at CMU, he worked for three seasons under McElwain at Florida. Charlie Fry, the quarterback coach, he has you know these ties to the NFL. Didn't work with you know, CMU's coach, but still has the NFL ties, which is always important to bring to a program. Kevin Barbet, the wide receivers coach, he worked with McElwain at Colorado State as the director of player personnel and at uh, Florida in the director of player development position. So two you know, very similar positions at two totally different schools, but with the same coach. I just think that goes a long way, bringing in guys that know you, guys that you trust, guys that you're able to relate to. I just think it's they're, they're good hires because they all know each other. They're going to work well. It, it almost seems like it's one of those you know match made in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, Coach moves, brings all his old guys with him that he he used to have before he went to Michigan. I, I, I like it. I really do. And I think that's really good for CMU, just the entire program going forward. It's really not all about who's, you know, buddy buddy with the coach yep. because <laughs> who knows who knows who Macklin could have brought if he wanted to bring his best friends. These are guys that are gonna get the job done. Well, we talked about that time and time again when Bonamago was here about how that's kind of the the vibe you got around Central Michigan was that that it was just like 
you know, this is like his homebody place. He's going to stick with the people he has no matter what. It's definitely good to me that they cleaned house and kind of went out and got a majority of new people. I mean, if you see people that will still work with your mindset and your kind of system, sure, keep them. But I think going out and getting a bunch of new people is kind of where they're at right now. When you go 1-11, it doesn't get much worse than that. So you might as well find a way to start, like, fresh almost in a way. Um, and he's completely trying to build this from the bottom up, basically. I mean, in a way, from, like, coming back like this with, a, you know, a team that had a really, really bad season and you kind of wonder where the talent level is even at with what was in their starting lineup last year. So I definitely think starting over and trying to find new coaches is a good idea. Yeah, and my last thought on this whole coaching situation is I think it's just nice that they're bringing back a couple guys too. You look at them bringing back Tavita Thompson at as the, the tight ends coach and Corey Hall yeah. at, at defensive backs. I mean, those are two guys that those players love because they're younger guys. They relate to them. They they trust them, mm-hmm. and you got to have some level of trust within your program when you bring in a new coach. And by keeping those guys, you get that Derek Frazier returning as the offensive line coach. I know he's, I know the offensive line has been rough. <laughs> there lately. was a lot of talk about him, just how he got how he came back. Yeah, I mean, and just dropping a, a liner. I mean, I've been hearing some things that you know he m- might he might end up only coaching, he might end up only coaching offensive guards while also working with the run game in a certain capacity and CMU with McIlwain might end up actually bringing on a totally different offensive line coach while having Frazier work with running backs more and kind of slotting into a running backs coach role with an emphasis on offensive guards in the line. That's something to keep an eye on too. Not sure you know, if that's actually going to happen. Haven't heard if a hire has been made, but definitely some talk about that. There's definitely a lot of moving parts there. I don't think you're going to see it stop or anything like that, but one thing that we definitely saw on campus this year start to change a little bit was uh, the, the moving parts of the men's basketball team. There's plenty of plenty of new faces that came in to start this year. And the big question was, you know, when they got picked to finish last again in the Mac West division, it was like, you know, they can say that, but how much do they really know about these players in this team without actually seeing them play in person other than, you know, looking at stats from a junior college where most of them came from, or in Larry Austin's case, a guy that never really got the chance at the Division One level to actually play, even though he's a higher recruit. Last night, the guy's name that I just said gets him a game winner in a game where I, you know, watching him last year, when times got tough like this, Rotor at home, wherever it was, they seemed to falter. They couldn't get over the, they I couldn't get over too, the hump. They, they couldn't do it no matter what. It was like they had their games, they were close and they were competitive, but they just weren't there. You're seeing a lot of signs of maturity. And I think to be able to see it through 15 games now, whether 13 and two to be able to win a game like they did last night says a lot about mm-hmm. who this team really is. Um, and, you know, they ended up getting the 88 to 86 win. Yes, Austin hit the game winner, but again, you saw Sean Roundtree have a, a point in the in the you know they were down trailing by a little bit in overtime, gets himself a couple free throws, gives them the lead, and then hits a three pointer that gave him a four point lead. That you know they never actually lost the lead again after that. That was another moment from him. David DeLeo misses two, two huge free throws against Weber State earlier this season when they're playing against them. Um, in a game where they lost on a buzzer beater on the following possession, he hits three free throws to send him to overtime with a timeout in the middle of those free throws. Mind you, that might have seemed like nothing, but that's just like icing a kicker in football. Same kind of thing. Got him there. Rob Montgomery, a couple of big corner triples, and they needed him late in the game. There's multiple guys in this team that they're going to to win a game. I can't say I've ever seen that since I've been here. It was always Marcus Keene at the end of the game. Had to be Marcus Keene to end the game. From everything I heard, it was Chris Fowler was the guy back when he was here. It's not like that right now. They have multiple guys they can go to. Yes, it's been Sean that gets the ball in his hands the majority of the time at the end of the game. But in a situation like Keno said last night, he said, you know, we felt like Larry's the guy that kind of can slash the hoop the best and get there, and we thought maybe we could get a free throw or two out of it, and Larry's chances of making at least one of those are pretty good. So he thought, you know, if we drive the hoop, maybe we can get fouled, and said he made the bucket and they won the game. I guess to me it's just phenomenal to watch them play the way that they've played so far this season. 
um, from a standpoint of, yeah, sure, the competition isn't that great, but to do it once on the road now on the Mac and do it once at home, I think it says a lot more about where they're at right now. Yeah, I think especially looking at what they have coming up with Bowling Green and then you go on the road and you, you play against Northern Illinois and then Ball State and then, you know, at Akron. But, you know, really these are the games that matter the most in terms of momentum. I know you talked a lot about the word momentum in your sidebar that you put up today, mm-hmm. just talking about how important gaining momentum is and, and how they weren't able to do it at one point in the game, but then now Austin hits this shot, and that's, that's momentum going forward. Those games are big because when you go into your your games in, in late January, early February, and you're taking on Toledo, Eastern Michigan, Western, Buffalo, I mean, those are four straight games right there going through going from January 26th to February 9th. That's four tough games right there, and, and really this part of the, the conference schedule is to prepare you for that. And I think that's what they have to realize. And they're off to a good start, but they got to keep it up. They, they just have to keep it up. For sure. And, I mean, Austin? Oh, I was just going to say, um, just I came to a game last year against Kent State. I don't remember exactly when it was. I think it was mid-January. And that competition level that you were saying, kind of, they they were close throughout and they were competitive. They just couldn't get get the job done. And then there were a couple of times this year that I was at a game and, they just dominated. Sure, they were playing maybe lesser competition, but they just yeah. went out and dominated, and it was amazing to see the difference between last year to this year so early. For sure, and we talked about that a little bit last night before the game started, Evan, about how you know they had these games over you know the period of December where they would kind of stick with the team that they're probably not mm-hmm. supposed to, and maybe end up blowing them out towards the end of the game. Um, I think that's just a you know a thing of like having some jet lag, not playing as much, you know, having all this time off. Well, they finally have a big man too. Exactly. I Ron mean, Montgomery. they finally have just a big to, man. About to bring that up is you know we talked about. To, I kept saying it to you last night, time and time again. I kept saying, Evan, I don't think this team is better just because of their record right now. I think it's better because they have more pieces. And Rob Montgomery is the the biggest piece. I think honestly in this team, you can talk about Larry, you can talk about Sean, talk about any of you want, but Rob Montgomery makes this team. They go to him in the post to make moves inside. He gets tough second chance buckets. He does more than just, you know, be what Luke Meyer was when he was here. Luke Meyer was a guy that, yeah, he could hit a three pointer, he could stretch it, whatever. He did nothing inside to get rebounds. I mean, heck, I'm pretty sure Kevin McKay was the guy that led their team in rebounds last year. It wasn't mm-hmm. even him. Yeah. Rob Montgomery, Larry as, Austin. As a six man off the bench, too, nonetheless, for McKay yes. last year. I mean, Austin is fighting right now with Montgomery for the lead in rebounds, but that's because Larry's a freakish athlete. He gets to the hoop like that. But Rob's the guy they go to inside to get these second chance points. I saw him time and time again, you know, buttonheads of the guy he had to go to last night. He was 6'10 going up against them. I mean, that's to be able to do that, you know, like you kind of said, Evan, when we talked about it afterwards, that's, that's impressive to be able to have that. And now they're going up against a team like Bowling Green on Saturday that, you know, is close to the top of the country um, in rebounds per game. So that's going to be something that they're going to be challenging. Rob is the the front of that. He's the biggest guy that they use consistently. Rob Montgomery has taken 126 shots from the field. 17 of those are from downtown. Last year, totally different story. Oh, yeah, 100%. Last year, it would have been at least, what, Luke Meyer probably I'd took what? Eight, eight, you, he probably Damn took like, half. I'd say you think half? Yeah. I think he took probably about 70% of his shots yeah. from, from <laughs> downtown. I mean, that guy like fired from the corner nonstop. And if you have an off game, you have nothing out of your big man. Your big man is absolutely pointless because he stands in the corner and, and does just about nothing. For sure. And when film starts to come out, they will start to see that Rob is able to hit that shot. But last night, I mean, we saw when he hit the one in the corner. He was three for next, four. Next possession, he get, he comes back down and they're doing an inbound pass from under the basket and no one's there to cover him. He literally was standing there just like, give me the ball, give me the ball, basically. And you said it to me right before the play happened. You said, he's open, like, just give it back to him. Took it, shot it, made the three again. So that's like, that's the kind of element they have with him that he still can step out and take that shot and he's getting more and more confident with it. But that's the word. 
confidence, man. It is surging through that guy right now on offense and defense. He's not scared of anybody. Playing great basketball. He looks like a bully. Like, he is he not does. afraid of you, and he's going to take it to you, and he is not going to be shy about it. He will put a shoulder. He will put a body into you. It's different than Luke Meyer because Luke Meyer was scared. Yep. He sat outside. He shot threes. Wasn't able to get in the they post. They have not had a big man presence since no. I have been at this university. That's for sure. And when they brought this guy in, I thought they had a real shot at it, and he has so far fulfilled it. Now, I mean, yes, these aren't the best two teams you're going to play in the MAC that they've started off the season with. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, getting a win like they did last night, that's a game they easily would have faltered and lost no matter what competition it was to. They found a way to get a win, and to me that that's that says a lot. Um, it's kind of what I wrote about today is just getting through adversity, um, being able to find a way to get a win. This team is growing. They're showing signs of growing. It's not... You know, how many times we get the Keno Davis, the we're not a finished product, the most annoying thing that he says he to us. He hasn't said that in a while, has he? It's not, yeah, because I, I think it's less and less of a fact that it isn't a finished product. It's that they're, you know, how good can they really be? I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what the thought is right now. It's a lot more of a positive vibe um, around this team, and I'm excited to see where it goes. That's for sure. So Rob Montgomery, your MVP so far this season, is that kind of what I'm hearing in a I, way? Okay, it, yeah, in it's, a way? it's tough to say that. It's tough to say that just no, because Larry no, and I'm Sean. Not talking, no, I'm not talking about who scores the most points. I'm about who it's has not the even most... necessarily about that, though, either. Sean, when Sean's on the floor or Larry's on the floor, they facilitate it very well. Who has the most value to the team, though? To make them win, I definitely think it's Rob Montgomery. That's what I'm looking they, for. They, That's they what need I was that thinking. guy underneath. If they don't have him underneath, I mean, where are they right him, now? You replace Rob with... They don't win Luke that game Meyer, last night, I'll tell you that it, much. With Luke Meyer, they don't win that game. Not mm-hmm. a chance. Yeah, and at the end of the press conference last night, we asked, or one of the reporters asked, you know, what's the most important thing you guys are looking for in the next game? Larry and, and uh, Rob both looked at each other and just said rebounding. Straight up. So that's just what they're looking to get better at. We'll hope that they can, you know, find a way to keep this going because it's definitely good for the school. It definitely uh, shows a lot. And that if you can keep getting crowds like that and feeding up, I mean, Larry said that, you know, yeah, sure, you know, we give them energy, but we feed off of their energy too, so... If you're a CMU fan out there and you're listening, I'm not just tweeting the stuff just to say it. I said it last night because that's the place was seriously a lot more energetic. I think if you get more games like that, it's only going to help your team be better. So that's right with that. But we'll wrap this up with uh, some gymnastics talks now, which Austin was at the other day. He covered um, the uh, the opening meet for the for the team, and they they won by a, a very very slim margin. You want to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, it was it was a really close close meet. Um, we, Central Michigan actually bested Arizona by. Less than a tenth of a point. I That's mean, very, very slim. I very slim. Like um, my my dad always says when we're playing euchre, he wins by the skin of his teeth, and that <laughs> is literally how Central won this one. Um, it Danelle Pen- Pedrick, excuse me, Danelle Pedrick, um, just went out there and she she just gave it her all. I mean, it was it was very interesting to see. It was my first time covering gymnastics, so I I was I mean I I had some background knowledge. Um, but it's just amazing to see. I mean, she she dominated the beam, which wasn't for the team. It wasn't their best um, their best event. Um, but she went out there and and actually and won the individual um, contest on the beam. And then the floor exercise, which as if you're not aware, it's the it's the one where they're uh, tumbling on the floor quite a bit. Um, and she went out there and won that one. And that's that's what gave the Chippewas the win was a dominant floor exercise in their final rotation. And Coach uh, Reichard said um, that they're kind of a fourth-quarter team. And they that last rotation was very um, telling of that, that they like to use that fourth quarter, that final rotation, go back and get the win. For sure, yeah. No, it's definitely a positive sign to see that when you're coming off. You know, they got their MAC championship rings, if I'm correct, before that game. So definitely continuing where, or picking up where they left off. 
uh, from a year ago. They will be on the uh, mat again on Friday. Um, it'll be here at Mount Pleasant again at 7 p.m. So you guys can check that out. Go there. Austin will be there to cover it again. So you will be keeping you guys up to date on that. But that's all we got this week from Maroon and Bold. Thank you guys for listening, and make sure you keep up with Central Michigan Life. We'll get you guys all the latest sports action.